also in real estate too, just having like a PITI account, especially if you're not paying taxes, but once or twice a year, like property taxes, making sure that you're setting up accounts specifically to save for those throughout the year. Because a lot of people get hit with those tax bills and they're like, ah, crud, it's the end of the year now and I forgot that, you know, I've got to pay those taxes. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Okay, welcome to Expertish Podcast. Uh, this is Jay Johnson, and today I'll be talking with David Richter. How are you doing today, David? Doing great, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming and talking to us a little bit. And for a little bit of background, one of the things that when I started business after the military uh, that I kind of, I don't want to say struggled with, but just didn't know how to attack was as my business started making money, how to really handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems, it seems like an easy problem or a good problem to have, but it can get a little bit, uh, it can get a little bit crazy, can it? Yeah, well, yeah it definitely can for all entrepreneurs. Yeah, so I'm excited to uh, to be able to get some information out to people about that. I think that, I think that's huge. I wish I would have. Um, well, I guess I guess we normally wish we had done certain things a couple years earlier. When it, that's that's how we learn, right? You know, right. When, when you realize you needed something, it's usually a little bit late. Yeah. But David, if you could give us just a little bit of your background, um, and then we'll get into some of the some of the profit first sure. principles and stuff like that. So my background is in real estate investing. I read someone, a friend of mine in college gave me a rich dad, poor dad when I was in college and the rest is history. So I bought a house, you know, remodeled it and actually uh, rented it out for a while. Then I, um, then I switched over to a lease option after for a couple of years. And then the guy cashed me out six months later after I had actually transferred it to a, a lease option. And so I was like, I really like this because it was uh it was my first foray into it and then i started working with a real estate investing company and so i got to see someone who was already doing deals they were wholesaling houses or they were flipping some too so like you see on hgtv but at the end of that time i got to sit in a whole lot of the different seats so i got to see a small business run i got to see like all the aspects of it from marketing all the way to finance you know everything in between and then i also saw it scale up too. We went from about five employees to 25 employees and like five deals a month to 25 deals a month. So like we got to see a whole lot of stuff being done inside of that company. And it was a, an amazing experience um, being able to be a part of that company. And that's what really got me the bug for real estate. And also that also showed me the door of, like you were saying, people get into business, they start making money, but they have no idea where it's going. And even in that size of a business, we were making a ton of money every single month, you know, like easily six, sometimes seven figures, you know, like months, but then almost that much was going out the door every single month too. But I didn't really realize that until I got into one of the seats there in the finance seat. That was one of the many, many seats I got to sit in uh, during my time there. Cause I would, I was kind of like the utility man, you know, like what's broken, let's go in there, fix it. So that was one of the seats I sat in and that really opened my eyes to the small business world. And like, really knowing what the numbers and how powerful they are. So that's a little bit about my background of like when I first got started in real estate, then I've got a lot of stuff from there too. A lot of life events happened, moved across the country to be closer to family uh, with my family. And then 
started working with another investor and helped him transform the financial side of his business and said, I got to do this for more people. So I had sold all my rentals, all the things that I had from uh, working at my time at the first place and started my own business uh, to be able to help people just know the numbers of where they stood. And that's when I first read Profit First because a mentor said you should read Profit First. And I'm like, this is incredible. This is like putting a system to what I'm actually thinking. So that was like a light bulb moment there too. And so a lot of things like in consecutive order to get to where we are today, where we help real estate investors implement Profit First inside of their business, just because so many, not just real estate investors, but like you said, business owners in general have no idea what to do when they actually start making money and if they're not making money, they don't have anyone to rely on to be like, hey, why am I not making money? You know, even though it looks right. like I am. So, right. No, I think that's, a, that's, I mean, I learned that it's so huge because you're right. You just don't always see where the money's going. And I know for me, uh, I think a problem I had was as, like, say, the business account grew, 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 grew you, your expenses aren't always the same in real estate, whether it's investing in, you know, and I have a residential team, so it's kind of a little of both. Um, so even with that one, when you have like huge months, that's awesome. But, but really when you average some of those expenses, cause there's a lot of ongoing expense, right? There's yep. certain things that just don't change exactly. and other things are, um, kind of like task specific. And so you'll have a bigger, a bigger draw from that. And you have this, when you just have this big pot of money, it seems like it's like, oh, great, no no issue. But you chip away at it pretty quickly when you're not paying attention. And I think with Profit First, one of the biggest things for me is I have that visual because I see, you know, it's being split each, you know, each time I do do the books, yeah. you split it out and go, okay, cool, wait, why, why did I need to, why did I not have enough to cover this last month and what am I doing wrong? So it really gives you like an easy indicator to like, uh, you know, Hey, something's not the norm right now. Yeah. Exactly. So it kind of, yeah, it, it kind of, um, J proofed it for me. So I can't screw it up too badly. Yeah. Um, but a bit as something else that I think is important, what, what you were just saying in your intro about the different seats that you sat in with that initial, you know, what, or with that real estate investment company. And I think that there's, I personally think there's something to be said about that. And I love the idea of understanding all the different positions, because I think then whatever you settle into, you're just going to be 10 times more efficient with what you, you know, decide to settle into. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And the backstory for even starting with that company before I came on board for like eight months, I worked like either nights or weekends, just learning the business you know, basically for free. I, you know, I, before I jumped in there full time, cause I wanted to make sure, you know, like I wanted to see how it ran and, you know, I wanted to work, you know, um, what was it? Earn to learn or like, yeah. you know, work to earn, uh, yeah. to learn instead of just to earn. So I wanted to make sure I was learning the business and not just earning a living. And then once I started diving in there, you know, I could, I could sit in a lot of the different seats. So I did, I sat in marketing and sales and the acquisitions department in the, you know, the finance, the transaction coordination, you know, so I got to see every single part of the business and it did, it helped as, as I was gaining more, uh, you know, more education on each of those seats, it helped me know exactly where, where the company was overall, especially once I started taking over the finances too, because I'm like, okay, here's how the acquisitions really translates into, you know, when you buy, right, that's when you make your money, you know, like, right. I can see the whole flow of it from beginning to end now. And yeah, sitting in every single seat, 
was very advantageous uh, to be able to know the company as a whole. Right. I think too, uh, a lot of people, where people I'll talk to and, and just a lot of people with the best intentions, but don't want to do what you just talked about, dedicate some time to learn. And I think what people fail to look at sometimes, sometimes you're just not in the position not to work. You know, I get that sometimes, yeah. you know, you have responsibilities you have to take care of, but if it's at all possible, I think it's really such a great investment. If you look at it as an investment, because people will you know, uh, take out student loans, you know, spend a, a ton of money for school and stuff like that, um, which is great. But also, you know, th in a way, this is a free education, it just costs you your time, the time you would have been studying or whatever, you're getting actual experience and really getting to know a business that nice. will save you so much more money on the back end, because you're, you're getting that practical application. Exactly. Yeah, it's, a lot different than going and learning something and someone t telling you what to do versus you jumping in and actually getting being a part of that. And if you, I had a full time job for those first eight months outside of what I was doing with them. So like, I I did what I needed to do in order to get there. And I think if you if you have that big enough reason or if you have a big enough you know passion for it, you're going to do take what you know do what it takes in order to get to where you want to be. And I think you're right. A lot of people don't even think about you know, learning, they were just like wanting to dive into, oh, I got to have a job. I, you know, this is what, you know, this is something that I need to be able to do or, you know, to provide for my family. It's like, yes, but at the same time, learn as much as you possibly can, you know, right. like to be able to, to up level yourself because that's no matter what route you take, you know, if, if you're going to always have to be leveling up in order to provide more value to people. And then the value comes back to you. Yeah, that's true. And and some people look at it as like working for free and, and to, a, to a point it can be, but they also forget kind of as you're talking about um, even, you know, if you purchase, you know, your acquisitions, right? You purchase, right? And then that's where you're going to make the money. It's yep. kind of the same um, it, it, on that side too. There's a lot of time that's put in when you bring someone on, right? So yep. it's not really for free. Uh, people are taking on you know, that, that role of a, a mentor, even if you're just filling positions like apprenticing or, or whatever the case right. is, there is time taking from, taken from production and from income producing activities to train anyone right. you know, off the bat. So if someone's willing to take that on or take you on to do that, I think that that's a, people should look at that as a gift and a great opportunity. Oh yeah. Big time. So we, we see how you kind of, you know, your interest spurred in uh, investing. And I think that I, I feel like so many people, start, I mean, me included, start that way with just the one home. And then you you see a good return. You're like, oh, man, this is really cool. And, and it just kind of snowballs from there. But what really was it? Was it that job in finance in the investment investing company that um, really drove your, you know, drove you toward the financial side? Yeah. And going to a lot of these meetings, uh, like mastermind type meetings mm -hmm. where everyone was like sales and marketing, you know, they're all, everyone's always talking about that and no one really talks about their bottom line or like if they're actually making money. And then you go to like the, the dinners afterwards and they're like, man, I'm hurting, you know, like yeah. we, we're making all this money, but we have no idea where it's going or, you know, like our accountant tells us this and we're nowhere near that, you know, an actual profit. And I'm like, they, someone needs an advocate just that speaks the real estate language and can translate it simply. And that's why I love profit first too. When I read the book, cause I'm like, this is written for the entrepreneur and not for the accountant and not for the bookkeeper. It's like, it's to make sure that, like you said, you J proof 
you know, yeah. the finances, it's to entrepreneur proof the finances to be able to be able to see exactly where the money is going. And that's really what's uh, spurred it for me because I didn't see a lot of people taking it upon themselves in the real estate space because it's really easy to sell a room on like marketing and like, here's the new channel and here's like the new sales thing. But, you know, if you say, here's how to manage your finances, you know, like you'll get crickets or whatnot. And yeah. I, that was just where I just saw there wasn't someone who was taking that upon themselves. And I was like, they, someone needs an advocate to be able to say there's an easy way to do it. And I love profit first because it's all about what it's speaking to that owner. Like this is how to make sure that you're healthy, that your business is healthy and like that you are actually profitable and doing what you want to do. And like that financial freedom that you have not being stuck in the real estate rat race, you know, like going from one rat race to another. So that was like, that's where I saw the potential in the finance space. Cause at me personally, I don't have like an accounting degree. I don't have, I did not go to college for this. It was more just the school of hard knocks. And then I built a team of people that have gone to, you know, college for that and like making sure that the CFO is on our team. But that's where now we help people implement that because I saw no one had that on that side, it seemed like, or like an advocate to the, to the masses, basically, to be able to say there's a better way of handling this and an actual system behind it. Because you read it in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you read it in The Richest Man in Babylon, you read it in all these different books, like you should be paying yourself first. And, you know, like you should be doing this where Profit First says, here's the system to actually implement that and make it a habit and not just, you know, hopefully we make money on this right. deal or hopefully we make money at the end of the year. Yeah, that's a big one, the hope, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> That I, I think that you can't go wrong too when you see something missing or something that's broken and you try to solve that. Like, I mean, is that not the most basic quality business strategy ever? Right. Um, so many people just try to do their own spin on so many different little things as opposed to, hey, like here is a need. So yes, yeah. let's let's kind of fill this need. So, you know, that's that's pretty awesome um, to be doing that. And you, you're talking about, you know, when you said entrepreneur, uh, Kara, there's so, it's such a big word here in Southern California and it's, it starts to take on a bad connotation really because mm-hmm. it, it, so much of it is just uh, fluff. But you, like you said, you see so many people, it, it's entrepreneur almost should just say marketer now. Right. They're just marketing yeah. themselves, whatever. And, and you see so much about 10X and, and, and seven-figure business because they had to step up from the six-figure business from a couple years ago, which was the big sales point. But like you're saying, that doesn't mean anything as far as profit, because most same thing when you're saying like the after these masterminds and people are saying, man, I'm hurting, like I'm struggling or whatever the case is, because truly behind it, if you don't have some of these systems or if you're not building an effective business, you can run. I I think almost anyone can pull millions of dollars through a business a year. It doesn't mean that you're actually producing any revenue. Oh, yeah. A lot of people in that space you know they make a million but spend 1.1 yeah you know it's like it's just totally backwards like yeah you might have a seven figure business top line but i don't care about your top line i don't care about that at all i care about what are you bringing home and what do you actually have to you know to grow the business or to make yourself healthy you know as well too so yeah it's all about the net the bottom line especially with profit first it's all about the cash why do ba- why do businesses really go out of business it's not because your pnl is bad or your balance sheet it's it's more, do you have cash or not? And do you have access to be able to keep the lights on, you know? And like, are you going to go bankrupt? You know, like that's where it's really about the cash and the cash management because you could, your PL could be super healthy and you could still go out of business because you're not managing the cash the right way 
and really getting that the cash flow inside of your business in the right way. So yeah, it's that's why we have to get this the message out, you know, in right. order to, to help people with that. Yeah, for no, one hundred percent agree. What are some of the things that, um, as you kind of started developing the real estate version, if you will, what are some of the 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 key things that you would say are because um, I, I, I would imagine quite a few of the people that will listen right now have probably at least read Profit First. But as you know, tons of people reading tons of books. It doesn't mean they try to implement any of it. Um, or some people do and, and they're just successful right off, you know, right off the bat. Me, I, I had to get someone to help me really uh, put it into play, to be honest, um, which was I, I feel like the right move. You know, yeah, you spend. But again, it's like um, it's an investment, right? Got someone to help yep. me actually get it set up properly and, you know, and continues to help monitor. So it's been great for me. But what are some of the differences that are key, I guess, key turning points from the original, you know, system to be integrated specifically into real estate investing? One of the big ones is the re- calculation of real revenue, you know, like calculating what you're really making. Because in real estate, you could get, you get cut a check at the closing table and everyone thinks that's my profit. Right. It's not always your profit, especially if you're, you know, flipping houses and you've taken private money loans or, you know, hard money loans from people, you know, then at the closing table, you you might get 30,000, but you really only made 20 because the actual, what you put into it, into that property versus what you actually made on it, you know, is the, the actual profit on that house. So real revenue, calculating real revenue. I would also say calculating real revenue in a rental company, you know, because in the original book, the real revenue is basically really simply what you make the the true dollar amount of what you make like uh the top line of what you make inside of your business so like in a flipping company it's your property profit so if you're wholesaling assigning double closing or flipping the property it's what did you have into the property what did you sell it for and there's your property profit also the real revenue for the other side for the rentals it's what did i bring in in rental income minus my obligations like the rent or uh, like the mortgage on it, like the PITI is what we put there as far, as far as like the, this is my, he calls it materials and subs in the original book. You know, those are kind of like the materials and subs. We call it pass through inside of simple CFO. So the PITI, the principal interest taxes insurance would come off of my income. You know, so if I had a thousand dollars in rent, $700 in a PITI payment, then my real revenue like that I could split out would be like $300 left over. That's where the uh, a big key difference is between the original book and this one, you know, calculating that. I'd also say just some of the nuances of real estate, setting up different bank accounts. Like I've seen a lot of people that we work with, we want to help set them up an OPM account, other people's money. Don't mix that in with your operating expenses. Don't mix that in with your profit or your owner's compensation and your taxes. Like separate that money out. You don't have to separate it out by a lender. Obviously, you can have as many accounts as you want, but just just having that different account so you can see this is what I'm using to fix up the properties that are already like this money is already earmarked not to use for my operational you know purposes. This is for actual projects. So separating that out also in real estate too, just having like a PITI account or something that you know, especially if you're not paying taxes, but once or twice a year, like property taxes making sure that you're setting up accounts specifically to save for those throughout the year. Cause a lot of people get hit with those tax bills and they're like, ah, crud, you know, like it's the end of the year now. And I forgot that, you know, I've got to pay those taxes or whatnot. So just helping people plan out that cash flow as it comes up 
and helping them gain the clarity. That's what really helps people is in the real on the real estate side, what account could we set up that's going to give you more clarity? Because if you've read the original profit first, you know that then you have an income account, the five main accounts, income, just the holding bucket, profit, owner's compensation, owner's tax, and operational expenses. So those five accounts really help you gain clarity because income is just a holding bucket. Profit is just to make sure that you're actually profitable. That's the first account that you should transfer money into as you get real revenue in. Then you've got your owner's compensation to make sure you're being taken care of. And that's different from profit because if you're working in the business, you should have owner's compensation for that or a salary. But for profit, that's basically your return on your business, you know, like for having a successful business. Owner, the owner's tax account, making sure that you're saving for your taxes, you know, at the end of the year, depending on how your tax structure is to be able to have your business fund those taxes. And then the operational expense, making sure that everything else gets paid out of that bucket. But then that's where we have the OPM account to separate from all those different ones because that should just be earmarked for projects and properties. Right. I, I, I like that you, um, that was kind of my question, what is going to be the, like the property tax type of thing, because that was one of the things I recognized as, as I kind of started using profit first for the, for the business, for like the residential business, the tax account, that's phenomenal. I, I just love that. I mean, for me right away, that was like a, a huge thing. I'm like, oh crap, that's great because never even really thought about it, but it's, you know, I don't have to worry about the taxes now. Right. It's just yep. already, already taken care of by the time it comes. You don't feel like you're writing a big check because you've been putting the money away for it. But right. the, the, then I did realize just this past year, like, oh wait, there's some other things that aren't necessarily done because obviously profit first original is, is like, that's kind of just a broad encompass, you know, encompasses such a broad spectrum. Right. So I love that you um, threw in that for the uh, property tax and, you know, and like I said, there, there are a few other things too, mm -hmm. but if you do plan that out, it really, it really does give you that visual of what your actual expenses are, you know, cost of doing business when you, when you actually do those on that monthly basis, put those allocations right. in. Oh, yeah, it's built for the entrepreneur. It's been, you're looking at your bank accounts usually not QuickBooks or your accounting software, you know, all the time. You're you're saying, Do I have money to do this thing? You know, yeah. and it's like if you can set those accounts up, I call them the golden trio, you know, especially the profit owners comp and owners tax to make sure you're taken care of, then you're making the profit a habit. You are. You at that point, you're saying, I'm going to fund these accounts to make sure that the business and myself are healthy. Otherwise, the whole business goes down. If I if we're not healthy, then the whole business, you know, like then no one has a job on the right. team. So yeah, it's like just making sure you set those up, the appropriate ones. And then yeah, then the specific ones for real estate. I know that sounds like a lot of accounts, but it's like, first of all, if this is if you're new into it, set up at least one account, the profit account, and just start making it a habit and transferring 1% into that account. But you'll see, it gives you more clarity with those other accounts that you have. And when in doubt, add an account, you know, like that's the profit first maximum. One of them is as you get, as you grow your business, no two businesses are exactly alike. Even if you do the same things, your processes, procedures, your team members are going to be different. So you're going to have to have, you're going to have a different structure than other people. And like, as you can see here with Jay, you know, like you were, you said, oh, we need one for property taxes. I want to be able to save for that throughout the year. So it's like, what is it for your business specifically that you need to add that account for too? So it's just giving permission to able to utilize the system for the maximum to give you the most clarity. Yeah, no, I, I love it. it. It was a little, I, I thought it was a bit much at first too, with, before I had any understanding of it, like, okay, I'm just going to open these accounts and putting money in it. Like, 
come on, what, what's the big deal? But um, right. after a couple months, it started to make a lot more sense. Uh, I mean, it made sense when you even read the book, but then you're just like, is this really needed? And then now I kind of, I couldn't go back to a different way of doing it now, because like you said, I can look, I can open my accounts and go, all right, cool. We're where I should be middle of the month or where I should be at this point. If I never had to log into QuickBooks again, I would be a happy, happy man. Right. <laughs> said every entrepreneur ever. So right. you know. it's miserable, yeah, miserable. Exactly. But um, yeah, no, I, I like it so much better. What are a couple of the other things that you saw? I, I'm sure having done so many jobs in that, uh, you know, with it, within that uh, investment company, what are a couple of the other struggles you saw other than just the profit first side that kind of relates to becoming profitable or maintaining a profitable business? Yeah, I mean, the marketing side is always the key thing for everyone. Everyone, even if you have it dialed in, something can change and then you have to like replan, you know? So that's making sure your marketing channels are working. Because honestly, the profit first side, you have to make sure that you're actually getting deals in the door, that you do have top line in order to be able to have a bottom line. So making sure that you can consistently get the deals in the door sold and or buying the rentals and getting, you know, making sure that you have the process and procedures for the tenants to pay. So it's like making sure that you can get that top line and that your core business, you know, is really all about, like you said, getting the marketing in place. You know, like every entrepreneur is that marketer. You have to be, you know, you have to be able to get that money in the door. So that was definitely one of the things that I saw was, you know, like because we were doing HUD houses at the beginning, you know, and like the REOs and the foreclosures and off market. But then later on, there weren't as many of those because, you know, it was like getting past 2012, 13, 14, 15, you know, like where it was more, we had to go to direct to seller. So being able to pivot to where you need to go and where the market is at that time, because we were still doing the same amount of deals, but our marketing changed and our, you know, the way that we got leads inside of the door too. So that's another thing is if what, you know, you got to make sure that you can see kind of what's coming, especially like that to see if something and being able to measure those, mm -hmm. the metrics of like your marketing, if something's not working, like being able to say, just like your bank accounts with profit first and saying, okay, my marketing, am I getting the return on investment that I should be like, here's the benchmark of what I need to hit. And then the benchmark of like, am I hitting that or am I below that? So making sure you have those KPIs, those key performance indicators set up with your marketing as well too. Cause like I said, it doesn't matter if, if he, for a profit first, if you, if you don't have top line, you know, you got to have the top line and then right next to marketing is making sure you're managing that money correctly. Yeah. I think that's another, um, another barrier in business as well is when you're, when you're starting off, if you weren't in a, in a business world or, or anything that dealt with the marketing is just understanding just even the basic marketing yeah. principles. And like you said, staying ahead of it, because you Usually by the time most people, I think, make changes to their marketing, it's, I don't want to say too late, but you're definitely later in the game. You know, yes. a lot of people are following it. Um, and unfortunately, what I've seen is if you don't have that understanding too, you're going to be sold on marketing. People will sell right. you on their marketing thing. And normally, unfortunately, unless you're, you know, paying, if you have the uh, ability to, you know, use some high end, I guess, you know, really pay for some professionals, but a lot of times starting out smaller businesses, you're not going to be able to do that. So you're going to be looking at that mid range or lower range, you know, people that are selling their marketing or whatever. And most of those are, I don't want to say, I, I, I get a little adverse to the word systems because we hear that a ton as well, right? Systems. Yeah. But I liked a few minutes ago, you mentioned um, processes and procedures, which I think are, are, are a totally different story and, and, and 
more important than systems because yeah. um yeah there's something should be systemized absolutely but people rely too much on those to get too far away from their business and, and eventually that collapses eventually that's yeah. an issue um and i kind of feel like it's the same with marketing because a lot of people are selling marketing systems and people will buy off on it and it takes them six months to you know then you hear like oh well you've got to you know give it like six months for it to really to work or whatever it just doesn't work. Um, and if you <laughs> spending a little bit of time, money, which to me are the same time and money, you know, yep. really just learning and educating yourself in marketing can save quite a bit as well. You're still going to get taken every once in a while. You're still going to, you know, but like you said, having the KPIs to know when things are working or not working, um, you know, whether you're doing or someone else is doing it is that important thing. And it's better to recognize that earlier than later. Oh, yeah. Um, you have to educate yourself. And that's the difference between, like you said, buying a marketing system or reading like a Dan Kennedy book. I don't know, you know, like or reading a direct marketers book that's going to really help you understand the process of marketing and the, you know, the actual principles behind marketing. You know, it's like getting in front of, like you said, um, you know, investing the time not just to learn a system, you know, the newest fangled, you know, like, oh, this is PPC program sounds amazing. It's like, well, no. Do you understand just the principles of marketing to be able to say, to be able to run it through a filter to say, okay, does this hit the filter of what the principles I believe that surround marketing in order to get me the best result that I need for what I'm going after? And like a lot of people that are probably listening here, that's that seller leads, you know, like who's yeah. selling their property right now and are they motivated? So like, are they, you know, are you able to get in front of that person. But in order to get in front of that person, you need to know the marketing principles. Will you get lucky just by buying some people's system? Yes. But the better you can be, the more you'll be able to grow and grow the right way and grow consistently. Because that's the biggest thing is people want to say like, oh, I did 10 deals last year. It was awesome. But like, can you consistently do one deal a month or two deals a month or five deals a month? And it's like, you got to learn some of the principles of marketing the principles of the finance, you know, the principles behind them. And then you can have other people run them. That's what the owner does. You know, mm -hmm. you, you learn the principles, make sure you are sound in them. And then you put the people that know the principles and can implement them inside of those seats as you grow and scale, as you're able to go from solopreneur to entrepreneur to business owner, you know, and be, really being that person is taking the principles, applying it to the business and making sure that they're always being followed so you can get the consistent deal flow in and the money you know, in the right place as well. Yeah. I still stumble on that one sometimes too. And it, luckily now, uh, just usually I can recognize it a little bit more quickly, which definitely helps. And just, uh, I guess a month ago I made some changes and, and like you said, the filters, you know, filtering basically some marketing changes I made great for bringing in some of the leads, but then realized after, you know, like two weeks into it, I was missing something. So I wasn't filtering renters. So I was getting a ton of people looking, you know, people reaching out wanting to rent. And this is on the residential side. Yeah. And I mean, solely it went from like maybe one of those slipping through a month to like 90% of oh, wow. leads coming in were like, it's so that's pretty easy to catch pretty quickly, right? When it's that big of a turn. But yeah. right away, it's like, oh, crap, I, I missed something here. And we're not filtering, filtering this out. Because, you know, obviously, like, that's great if you're trying to put renters into into your properties or something, but for the residential sales side, that does nothing. And you're paying for those, you know, you're paying for those leads and you don't right. want, yep. you know, people to have to screen those and, and whatever the case is. So yeah, um, very important, those KPIs to, to see what you're doing before you spend too much on the wrong thing. Um, yep. yeah, no, those are, that's all really, really good info. 
Uh, how about you on your investing side? What was your, give us maybe your biggest hurdle or one of the, uh, I'd say mistakes, you know, one of the larger mistakes that you'd made that you learned from, because I think we all learn from mistakes 10 times more than we do from our successes, you know? Yeah, I would say in my early career, there was filtering the right people, just like you were talking about right now, you know, because we got some bad renters in some places and that's 10 times worse, you know, like than putting no one in, you know, is getting a, a bad renter in place. So we had that happen, you know, a couple of times and I'm like, okay, we got to revamp the process. And like you said, that helps us get better. So it was like, okay, we had some, you know, bumps in the road here, but then it made us really dive deep into that process and like, okay, we got to obviously fix this here. We can't be, you know, we've got to set these standards and we can't let anything deter us from this, no matter what the story is. You know, it's like, we got to just stick to this. Then another one that really helped too was removing myself from the processes as well. You know, like, because I'm going to be too nice, you know, or I'm going to, I'll, if anyone's going to screw up the process, it was usually going to be me, you know? So it was right. like trying to get myself out of there as quickly as possible once we had an established system and could get someone into that seat was another light bulb moment where, you know, like if anything, if I had failed before, it was mainly because I was screwing up a process that I had set up myself. So it was right. like, oh man, you know, like what in the world's happening? So and those would be some things that I, especially the bad renter ones, because those always leave a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's one that I've struggled with too, even with um, my personal, like, uh, rental investments or some just my personal ones where I'm like, I do not want to be involved at all anymore. Yeah. I don't want to have any client inter or I'm sorry, tenant interaction because yeah. I just feel bad for like, I'm, I'm like the sucker for any little, like, Oh man, I get it. This is, you know, you're having a rough time or whatever. And you just can't all the time. You can't be that way. So it's way better to be removed because then, you know, the company can blame it on the owner. The owner can just stay out of it. You know, right. otherwise when yeah. you're, when you're both, you're just like, you know, the, the only person sitting there, they're looking out with this, you know, sad story and you're like, right. Oh man, exactly. Yeah. So no, that's a huge one too. Um, cool. Well, what about like, how long have you been working on this, the profit first version of this? How long have you been really uh, focusing on that side on the real estate side? Sure. So in business, about two years now that we've been putting this inside of real estate investing companies. And mm -hmm. then last year, I went to Mike Michalowicz, the original author of Profit First, and you know said, I think there needs to be a real estate version of it. So for the past probably six months, uh, you know, I've written it. Now the writing's done. Now it's just in the editing phase. And then I'll go to the book publication phase. So it'll probably be out by the end of this year is awesome. what I'm shooting for is to actually launch the book and get it uh, you know, into the hands of real estate investors. But yeah, that's, that's kind of been the journey uh, over the last couple of years now to seeing it actually work inside of real estate investing companies and being like, we got to get this message out to everyone right. because it's so powerful. Right on. Yeah. I'll have to definitely snag one of those as soon as they come out. Looking forward to that for sure. Awesome. And what about your uh, company itself? Like, because you guys do or like the, you know, you work in the finance side for, real estate companies now, correct? Yeah, I have simple CFO solutions. So that's where the, we actually implement profit first. We act as a fractional CFO. Mm -hmm. So what that means is if you can't hire a full-time CFO, you know, like a hundred or $250,000 a year, you know, anywhere between there, we function as a fractional CFO. So we help you make those decisions, implement profit first. We help project. We're not like a bookkeeper or accountant who looks a lot at the past data and just tells you what it is. Right. We tell you what it is. And in addition is like, how can this help us make more money in the future? And what are your numbers really telling you? And then obviously 
with the profit first implementation, we can see right now what our cash is doing today, you know, and like what you're what you're able to do and what we're able to, how we're able to grow the business as well from the cash flow perspective. So mm-hmm. that's what Simple CFO does because a lot of people just don't know the basics of the business finances. And so a lot of the times we're just going in there and helping them know just the basics of how to read stuff or how to know what's going on inside their business. And because the numbers tell your story, we help, you know, the owners know their own story. Yeah, sometimes we don't want to see that story. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of times they don't. And usually when they come to us, the story is so bad. It's like, I need help, you know? And that's where I love working with people who are the forward thinkers of like, well, no, I need the help before I need the help, you know, and like coming in there. But honestly, a lot of people come to us when they're hurting and it's like, can we turn this around? And we've been able to help people, you know, actually turn it around and get back on the right track. But you're totally right. That's one of the biggest things that we, we struggle with, you know, like when people come to us because they don't want to, they don't even want to know that story. That's like one of the first meetings we have is like, you know, this is, and just prepping them might be a little bit painful, but like we need to get through this part. And if you want to get where you want to be inside of your business. Yeah. I think it's no different than, um, you know, just an individual that is struggling with something like, you know, finances or even a credit problem. Like, you know, we'll have that with buyers where like they don't want to address it because they, you know, it's like head in the sand thing. If I just ignore it, it's just not there. I don't want to deal with that, which I totally understand, but you can't start getting better until you just like face it and start moving forward. And I think it's the same business owners, same thing. Even if they, even if they're kind of on point with their personal finance, you get into something different, you may not know you know, you don't know the way. And, uh, I see a lot of people trip up me included, you know, so I'm the first to, uh, hopefully people learn from the many mistakes I've made. Um, so that, that's the only reason I make them just so we're clear. I just make mistakes to help teach other people. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's totally selfless, but no, no, these are, these are really, really great points. I'm just get excited about this because I learn something every time when I'm discussing these things, because it's not my favorite thing by far. Like I said, I hate QuickBooks. I hate looking at them the accounts. I hate looking at all that stuff, but I do get excited every time I learn about it because it seems a little less daunting to me Right. every time uh, someone like yourself can break it down more simply into my, you know, my vocabulary. Uh, so I definitely appreciate that as well. Can you tell us then like for your CFO, how, like, I think just from our conversation, from what I've learned myself, I think the right time to start with something like that is right away, you know, before you need it, even if it's just consult to know, like, cause I'm guessing you can tell people, I mean, do you guys do that as well? Like consulting or someone reaches out, like they just need a, a, a tune up or like to look and see, Hey, do you guys need to implement something now or get them set up on the right path? Or is it a, a always long-term type of relationship? No, we've got different types of programs, you know, like the base program is implementing profit first. You want, we want to make sure no matter what your size is, big or small, that you have that set up. Then we do have the other option of the recurring, you know, the actual fractional CFO service to help people keep growing and keep going. But yeah, we've got several different things because like you said, no matter what size, you need the profit first system. That'll just give you clarity. You don't have to dive into your books, you know, like that's where you just have to set up the accounts and we got to make sure you've got the, the money going in the right place and you're getting in the habit, changing some of the behaviors and mindset of, how money works and how you're going to manage it, you know, moving forward. So yeah, we've got a couple programs like that. Awesome. No, that that's amazing. Any, any last things that you want to put out there anything special coming up? Uh, Just right now, the book's going to launch later this year. We're going to have a course too. That's going to dive into, to give you some of the tools that we use with our people too, 
you know, so I'm going to have that come out over, I think in the third quarter before the book launches, uh, have that come out too, just as like a stepping stone. Cause the book's going to, I want to give all the information in the book. Then the course is going to more have the tools, you know, like, so that way you can actually have those, you know, at your fingertips. So just a couple things, because if you can't, if you're like, oh man, I can't work with a CFO yet. I'm just starting out. Like you were saying, it's like, well then here, here's like the very low, here's a $20 book, you know, and a hundred dollar course, you know, to be able to get this stuff just implemented so you could start being profitable from today. So those are the things rolling out. And then of course, if simple CFO, if we can help you, if you're doing, you know, more deals or whatnot consistently, then we can help you grow and scale profitably. Awesome. David, man, I, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Some great info and I'm looking forward to the book coming out. And for anybody listening, if you just go to expertishpodcast.com, you can ask any, uh, you know, send us any questions. We're also going to have contacts. If you need to reach out to Simple CFO, reach out to David or anything, we'll have all the contacts for you there. And if there's other subjects that you're just wanting to hear about, go ahead and let us know so that we can, you know, try to find the right people to teach us. Again, David, man, really, really great talking with you. I I love what you're doing and I will probably uh, get a lot of use out of it myself, to be totally honest. Awesome. Well, glad I can help. Just want to provide value and want to get the profit first message out, especially to the real estate investing world. So I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much, man.